On this episode of Jet City Hot Takes, the MLS Cup champion Sounders, I was in the crowd. That was insane. And the Seahawks, to cap off an amazing Seattle sports weekend, beat the previously undefeated 49ers 27-24 to in overtime on Monday Night Football. And as a Patriots honk, I'm starting to have some doubts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to... Who am I kidding? These guys aren't pros. The starting lineup for your Jet City Hot Takes podcast. He's Boston bred. He hates seafood. And he swore to start reading more. So now he watches Netflix with his subtitles on. Corey Dillon. That is next level stupidity. And he's a Northwest native. Doesn't care what you say. Sriracha is overrated. And he sleeps with a Ken Griffey Jr. body pillow. Keith Wayne. Hey, I don't judge. You do you. Just keep it off the field. Jet City Hot Takes. Hot Takes. Here we are, week 11 in the NFL season, coming off an excellent Monday Night Football game that we're going to get to in a second. But first, we are here in Seattle, and there was a big game on Sunday. What a weekend for this city, by the way. Wasn't it? The Sounders hosting Toronto in the MLS Cup Championship. Yeah, third time in four years you've had the Sounders playing against Toronto FC, but this is the first time it's been in Seattle. 70,000 people packed CenturyLink Field, which is the largest crowd that stadium's ever had for any sport sporting event. And I was one of those. It was absolutely insane to be there in the stands. Uh, I am not a huge soccer fan by any means. Um, being from Boston, I never really fell in love with the Revs at all because they just were never really that good. Yeah. Uh, and they're just so far behind every other professional sports team in that city. Here, the Sounders might have me hooked because, I mean... It's a different experience. The, it's ECS, right? Yeah. The ECS little thing behind the... the Emerald City supporters, the, section with all the flags, the chanting. Yep. And they're going nuts. I mean, it just creates such an awesome vibe. Uh, and I was I was two sections next to them. Uh, the stadium was packed. They were so passionate uh, for a sport that isn't very exciting in my eyes. The crowd and, and the feeling and the vibe of it made it more exciting. You do have a point where sometimes a sport is a, a much different experience being there live as opposed to just watching it on TV. I watched it on TV, even watching it on my TV set. You could feel the excitement from the crowd coming through the TV. And when that first goal went in and when that second goal went in and the sound was up two to nothing, my, I think my TV almost exploded. <laughs> it was... <laughs> It was loud. It was really cool. So, I, I mean, congratulations to the Sounders. I got to go to the, the championship parade yesterday right there. Russell Wilson came out with Sierra. The team was there. I mean, some of them were missing because they're playing for their national teams and stuff like that. But it was it was so cool. So many Sounders fans came out, supported. It, it was a, it was a sea of green, white, and blue. And I think I'm still, like today, I took my jacket off. And I, I noticed behind me a whole bunch of confetti. Like, I have confetti, <laughs> I think, still in my, I'm not even going to say my nether... So it's in my nether regions. I don't know what's going on. I just I can't lose it. Uh, there was so much confetti. It was such a party. It was awesome. And, uh, and congratulations to them. And uh, I'm going to say it. We're the dynasty of soccer in America right now. Just saying. The Seattle is definitely the... It's the soccer capital of North America. That's correct. And they showed it. Uh, it was a, There were some rough points in the middle of the season, and, and they proved that they were tough, and, and they could fight to the end and they did they beat some really talented teams along the way and uh and won the mls cup so awesome dude it's so it was so much fun to watch so much fun to watch this team it was very fun to watch i mean i started the day with uh i don't know if you saw it on my social media but blue and green mimosas had a few of those so i, I was feeling pretty good during the game that's uh, how you should do a sounders match don't ask me what happened after the game because i don't know but go sounders <laughs> now let's get to monday night that was a big game Woo! that was fun big game well it wasn't fun to watch it there was fun some, afterwards there were some frustrating points in that game 
Ah, oh, man. I'm still coming down off that game a little bit. Two days later, we're it, recording this Wednesday night. Something that interests me was, I mean, I saw a lot of things right after that game. It was like, oh, if the Super Bowl is as half as good as this game was, it's going to be awesome and blah, blah, blah. And I just can't agree with that because uh, they, they, they it was, was slop- kind of sloppy. It was sloppiness. And hey, it made for an exciting game because of like what was going on and, yeah. and it was still close. But that was not a great football game, in my opinion, by any means. Um, I think it was a great fourth quarter in overtime. I don't think the first three quarters were necessarily a great football game. No, so that blew my... Anybody who said that, I just disagree with you. But what I will say, the Seahawks finally found a pass rush. Jadavian Clowney, the NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, We're going to talk more about him in a little bit when I go over our players of the game because obviously he's going to be my defensive player, just in case you couldn't figure that out already. But also you had Al Woods, Jaron Reed, Puna Ford, uh, Quentin Jefferson putting in work as pass rushers. Uh, Shaquem Griffin came in and pass rush situations. I think he might have started taking over for Ziggy Ansah in some cases. I thought KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner played good games. Quandre Diggs, his first game as a Seahawk, got a pick. Uh, Shaquille Griffin had a 90 pro football focus grade as a corner, which for a corner is absolutely insane. He would have had a pick, except that it got called back on a penalty that wasn't even on him, so I can't really hold that against him, but what a performance by this defense. Finally! I was going to say, all of this sounds great. It took till week 10 to see anything close to this defensively uh and then my question is is that a flash in the pan because it was it was monday night football national game going against the division leader undefeated so this was almost like a super bowl and seattle just came to play and maybe san fran wasn't that ready that felt like a playoff game didn't it it did but then again for for san francisco was it they're missing kittle you know their best receiver in emmanuel sanders went down early in that game it was all on jimmy g i think uh booger mcfollard said it during the the, the broadcast that like this is what everybody's been waiting to see it's on the shoulders of Jimmy G and honestly I thought he crapped his pants there was a couple of I think it was right after that he threw uh, uh, what should have been a game-ending interception. He, sh- to he should KJ have thrown Wright. two game-ending interceptions on that last drive in the fourth quarter, and it didn't happen. And he let him down. They tied the game. I don't necessarily think he regained his composure, or or this was the Jimmy. He got lucky, in my opinion. He got very lucky. Very lucky. The game on Jimmy's shoulders. I don't think Jimmy looked that great. I also think you know this was just a big game for the Seahawks. You always say that they always play well on Monday night. So my question is: is was that a one-time thing with this defense, or do you think they're really starting to get it? Man, I hope they're getting it. I mean, I've, I've seen the pass rush almost get there a few times, but then the secondary kind of lets them down. This was the first game where I saw both the secondary and the D-line play well together. So I, I hope that they can build on that going in the future. The addition of Quandre Diggs obviously helped that secondary. I agree. I don't know how to really explain it, but having a player of that caliber at free safety, which is where he was lining up in that game, really, I think, helped out the corners a lot. Now, what do you think about the offense? The offense, I think they were playing probably the best defense in the league, Uh, so I can't fault them too much on certain things. Uh, I felt like the pass protection was pretty sloppy, but then again, the 49ers have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. Uh, I felt like receivers weren't They were getting open, but they weren't getting as open as they had been in previous games. I think Jacob Hollister, the last two games, has really showed up as a nice target. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of upset that the Patriots gave up on him so early, but that's a whole other thing. But you know, it's it's good that he did because at a, at one point in the game he was the only tight end that was healthy on the roster. Luke Wilson went down with an injury. We were already missing Will Disley. So the fact that Hollister can show up, catch a touchdown, pick up first downs, get some yards after the catch, be that 
underneath safety valve for Russell Wilson when he is getting rushed so heavily. That's big. And we're going to get Ed Dixon back here pretty soon after the bye week. So it's looking pretty good for the Seahawks moving forward. Now, there weren't, There's not a whole lot of injuries right now for the Seahawks outside of what they already had going into that game. Except, I mean, Lockett went out, but it looks like he's going to be okay with that yeah. contusion. Yeah, they were concerned about some swelling in his leg, which when that happens, you do need to be careful with it. Uh, so that's why he didn't get on the plane with the team. But spent a couple days in the hospital at Stanford, which great hospitals down there in the Bay Area. So he was taken care of, and it looks like he'll be ready to go for the Eagles after the bye week. Well, let's go then. Offensive and defensive player of the week. Why don't you start defensively just because you've kind of given it away? All right, defensive player of the game, Jadavian Clowney. He was the NFC defensive player of the week. Uh, He had a sack, which that stat in and of itself is pretty misleading. He had 12 quarterback pressures, which is the most of anyone in the NFL in a single game this season. He had five hits on Jimmy Garoppolo. He forced a fumble, had a fumble recovery, and ran that back for a touchdown. And let me just say, about time, because I've expected this from Clowney from the beginning of the season. And, and Well, he's he's been winning his matchups. He's been beating tackles off the edge all season. The problem is they weren't getting any pass rush on the inside until Monday night. I'm not giving him excuses. He, I mean, <laughs> he's, that, he's that disruptive of a force. Regardless... I still think he should have been more impactful in the first nine games. Um, I just, I just believe that he's one of the top defensive linemen in the league. He has that presence. He should be able to cause chaos, even if you know, obviously the rest of the line sucks. It's going to be harder, but he is that good. I'm just glad that he looked great that game and hopefully he looked he looked like a 20 million dollar defensive end on monday night for sure and obviously the fact that reed ford and jefferson all showed up and also played really well also al woods al woods had a sack he was putting pressure and they were stopping the run game they held matt Breda, who was third in the nfl in yards per carry behind lamar jackson and christian mccaffrey to 1.8 yards per carry so obviously, then Jimmy Garoppolo had to do it all on his own. They just teed off on him. He couldn't handle it. Jadavian Clowney, big reason why. And then offensive player of the game, uh, there's really three players that it could go to. It could go to Russell Wilson, leading two pretty clutch drives, one to take the lead with less than two minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and one to win the game in overtime. But not, but the one that he had to win the <laughs> that, that first <laughs> overtime drive. I mean... Great play by the uh, yeah. It was, a, it was a great play by the linebacker. He underthrew it. If it was like just an inch higher, I think that's a touchdown. I mean, it it happens. An inch makes a difference, man. Uh, you could also give it to Chris Carson or Jacob Hollister. I do have Russell Wilson here as my offensive player of the game, but I'm changing my answer to Jacob Hollister. He was the only healthy tight end halfway through that game. He's been dependable two weeks in a row. He had a helmet catch touchdown in the third quarter. And uh, he's been a reliable safety valve. He was picking up first downs, breaking tackles. I like what I see out of Jacob Hollister. I love him. Love him. That's a <laughs> I love you, Jacob Hollister. <laughs> All right, let's and get it. I, can, I, can I just say, Jason Myers, I'm sorry, man. He had two clutch kicks. There was just something about that game you know, that everything was clicking right. Like I said, I don't know if this is the team moving forward. When he's hitting all the kicks and the defense is playing well, that seems to me like, what the hell's going on? You know what? They beat the last remaining undefeated NFL team on the road on Monday night, and Russell Wilson probably had his worst game of the season, and they still won. That's, that's definitely a good sign for the team moving forward. We'll see if they can continue it as the season goes on. And if Russell Wilson can be Russell Wilson while the rest of the team plays like that, I don't see how they're not favored for most games. Well, they're going to need to be playing the way they are because they get some tough games coming up. We discussed, you know, after the bye week, it's uh, at Eagles, Monday night versus the Vikings at home, uh, Sunday night at the Rams, then at Carolina, home versus Cardinals, 
home versus 49ers. There's some really difficult uh, games there on the schedule. The only game that you might look at on paper as being an easy game might be the Cardinals, but that's a game number two against the team in the division. That's never easy. I think all of those are going to be slugfests. They are. They're definitely all going to be tough games. The one that I mean, obviously stands out is the the final game of the season at the 49ers, which could be for the division. Which I forgot to touch on when we were just talking about the game on Monday night. Once it got to overtime, and correct me if I'm wrong, Seahawks had the ball, interception. Yeah. San Fran missed the field goal. Yeah. Seahawks went down. Seahawks got to like midfield. How punted. many times did San Francisco touch the ball? Twice. Twice. So, so they missed field goal, and then they got it back one more time. They got it back one more time, and they had a three and out inside two minutes. Only ran like 20 seconds off the clock. That's what I want to talk about. I think I know about. what you're going to say. Because... At that point, I think Kyle Shanahan made a big mistake because they should have been playing for the tie. I don't remember exactly what the plays were when it was that three and out, but they should have been playing for the tie and running the clock out. Three incompletions. Yep. So you're stopping the clock every time. Big mistake. At that point, you play for the tie. You have the tie in the division. You don't give the Seahawks the chance to get the W. They could have avoided putting an L on their record, and you could have taken the tie, and that w- that could have been or could be a massive difference at the end of the season, especially with that last game against the 49ers. To give the Seahawks the opportunity to take one of those divisional games against you could really be a factor of the division title. It, it really could, because now we're, we're looking at a situation where if both teams run the table up until that point, and if the Seahawks win, they would both finish 14-2. and two. So then Seattle would get a first-round bye if they won that game, and the 49ers would end up as a five-seed, five seed. having to do it on the road after winning 14 games. If they would have just taken the tie, it wouldn't matter if the Seahawks beat them there. Correct. Assuming they run the table, which I don't think they will. You talk about how difficult the Seahawks schedule is right now. The 49ers schedule coming up is brutal. But even more so wouldn't be that that would be the point to take the tie because if you end up losing one more game and then it's a tie record. Yeah, then then you I mean they'd still have to go in and win at that point. Yeah, you're right. But I'm going to give you their next four games. Home against the Cardinals, okay, but they did play them tough. Then the three games after that, Packers at Ravens at Saints. They're not getting out of there without a loss. No way. No way you're going to play home against the Packers and then two road games against the Ravens and the Saints without coming out of there without at least one loss. It's not going to happen. I would agree. Um, Again, but... The Seahawks schedule isn't easy either. And, it's brutal and those, too. You know, it's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out because both the 49ers and Seahawks have such tough schedules. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't want to face either one of these teams in the playoffs. So not much to talk about on the Seahawks moving forward because they're Bye off. week. They're off. So let me just... <laughs> vent. As, as fans, we need a bye week too after these last two games. Let me go <laughs> off on New England here for a minute. Um, and it's hard for me to say this. I'm worried about them not having the number one seed in the AFC. I mean, I think everybody probably thought going into the season that it was them in Kansas City, probably the Patriots running away with the number one seed. Uh, But I'm really starting to worry about the wide receiving core of the Patriots. They don't have a great offense. And again, I I think they're built on their defense, and and I think that's how they're built, and that's how they're going to win. But I am not nearly as confident as I was, and Baltimore looks a lot better. And not just because Baltimore, you know, wiped the floor with the Patriots. I do think, you know, if it was another matchup, Belichick has some notes, and it would be a different ball game. But it's just, it's not as. Um, I'm just not feeling as good. 
No, you're a little nervous about the Patriots now? Little ner- I mean, I want that number one seed for the Patriots. You should be a little nervous about the Patriots. They're not, they're not a huge juggernaut. They're a great team. The greatest quarterback of all time, the greatest head coach of all time. But in this season, I think they're a little more, vul- maybe a little bit more vulnerable than you might think they would have been. I agree. I mean, the wide receiver, I mean, we released Josh Gordon, you know, we lost Brown. Uh, we bring in Sanu, which I really like. Dorsett has been reliable. It's just... It's just not the same. I really hope Nikhil Harry comes in and, and can make a big difference towards the end of the season. I know um, the Patriots' ownership said they want Gronk back, and I think they have to week 13 to if that's going to be a possibility. Yeah. I don't know if it really is. I don't know how much of an impact he can have and how football-ready he is at all. Um, I'm just not as confident in that offense as I was going into the season, and um, their defense, you know, when they finally played a real offense, did not look like the boogeymen that they claimed to be. So I'm excited to watch New England go into Philadelphia this week. It's it's not that easy of a matchup. It's on the road. You know, there was that Super Bowl loss a couple weeks ago. I mean, a couple years ago. Uh, I, I would assume Brady really wants to just smash them just because of that. I know that he still, uh, you know, he said recently that. That that game still, you know, it hurts them. So th- I, I want to see them go in and actually play a decent offense, have the defense stop them like they stopped the first eight crap teams they played, play some great defensive football, and the offense, you know, start getting some things on track. Well, we're going to pick that game here in a little bit. We so. are. So we can really get into it a little bit later yeah. if you want to. Um, before we get to that, let's just do some fantasy picks real quick. All right. Uh, I will touch on, I know a couple of players that I picked last week. Ronald Jones, Christian Kirk, and Derek Henry all went for 20-something, 30-something, and 40-something. So I hope you listened last week to that. So thing. I agreed with you. Christian Kirk was also one of my players. And I was so stupid, and I kept him on my bench. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't cost me. I still won. But I was so mad at myself for not taking my own damn advice. <laughs> like 183 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, he had like 36 points or something in that league. I don't know. Was, uh. well, I'll start right there with fantasy advice. Don't start Christian Car- no. <laughs> Christian Kirk this weekend. Uh, not a good matchup. No, not against the Niners. All right, I'll give you some fantasy picks that I like. Uh, obviously, um, the Raiders are playing the Cincinnati Bengals at home, so really anybody on the Raiders, but I'm going to focus on two. Uh, if you are in a, uh, if you have a couple quarterbacks, start Carr. I think that's obvious. Um, yeah, I'm starting Carr in a PPR league. Yeah, going to be starting Carr, and I also like the Raiders' defense, um, which could be available just because they're not that great, but playing Cincinnati, uh, pick them up if you can start them. Um, then wide receiver-wise, I like Sanu this week. Uh, I like the bye week. Uh, Patriots coming off the bye I, Brady, you know, Brady likes him. Brady's going to want to get him involved. Um, having the 10 days off, and I don't know what they were doing or if they were doing anything, but I really like Brady going to Sanu a lot in this game. And then finally, Brian Hill, the Falcons, running back, probably going to be their starter because Freeman is out, uh, or it looks like he's doubtful. So when they rule Freeman out, he's going to be the running back in Atlanta. I, I think he's going to you know, play well. All right, I got uh, three picks. You already said Mohamed Sanu. He was one of mine. Uh, you know, Patriots coming off a of bye week, another week for him in the system to kind of get a chemistry going with Tom Brady. I think I could see Mohamed Sanu having a pretty good game against a, an Eagle secondary that's really not that great. No. And uh, another wide receiver, Debo Samuel from the Niners, who had a big game against the Seahawks, one of the few Niners that actually did have a good game against Seattle offensively. Um, with no Emmanuel Sanders, maybe, and definitely no George Kittle, I think Debo Samuel could actually see more targets than anyone else on that team. Uh, playing against another pretty weak secondary in the Cardinals. And then I got Josh Allen, quarterback, because they're playing the Dolphins, even though the Dolphins are red hot right now with two straight wins. Woo! 
<laughs> but if you do need a quarterback, he can get you, you know, he can do some damage with his legs too. So uh, I don't think Josh Allen would be a bad pickup if you need a quarterback. All right, we're going to go from fake football to real football. First game, New England Patriots at the Eagles. We briefly talked about that. The Eagles plus three and a half in this game. Keith, where are you going? Uh, you know what? I think some people are down on the Patriots because of that, for lack of a better term, beating they took from the Ravens last week. They're coming off a bye. Bill Belichick coming off a bye is uh, another kind of monster you do not want to face. It's a three and a half point spread. New England is going to cover that and win. And uh, I like the I like the Patriots by like ten points here. Last time I said that they lost to the Ravens, but I'm going to agree with you. I, I agree. Obviously, Belichick off the bye. Like I said, the Eagles are not the Ravens. Brady wants that game back from Super Bowl Fifty Two. Really wants it back. I, do, I just think he just has a hatred for this team. I think he's going to go out and just try <laughs> and really kill them. Um, so uh, Patriots, I think, roll on this one as well, not to be a homer. <laughs> Texans taking on Baltimore in Baltimore. Baltimore favored by four. Give me the Ravens. Lamar Jackson is playing at, a, at an MVP-type level. It's really between him and Russell Wilson for the MVP. That offensive line is mean. There's no J.J. Watt for the Texans. Their defense isn't bad, but again, Lamar Jackson creates a whole other sort of issues for your linebackers that I think makes him really hard to defend. I like the Ravens in this one. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go Texans and the points. I I mean, the Ravens probably going to win. I just think it could be closer than what people expect um people are very high on lamar jackson right now and the ravens because of how ha- how they have played uh, i just think they're in for a close game i'm gonna go for the ravens okay. plus four next cowboys versus the lions in detroit detroit plus three and a half uh, it sounded like matt stafford might not play this game agree I- so uh, honestly dallas i don't see Who's their backup quarterback? I forget his name. Yeah, give me the Cowboys here. Detroit, without Matt Stafford, not a very good team even with him. I think the Cowboys win and probably roll. I hate agreeing with you. Yes, I like the Cowboys as well. I mean, I think it really – I mean, without Stafford, it's just a no-brainer to me. Um, It is kind of interesting that they are only favored – by three and a half on the road without Stafford. I mean, it's, uh, that's six and a half on a neutral field. So, I mean, it, it's just strange to me. However, I do think the Cowboys are going to win this game. Um, I'll take the Cowboys minus three and a half. All right. Fourth and final one Jaguars against the Colts in Indianapolis. Indianapolis favored by three. Uh, this is interesting because. The Jaguars, are, I think, are making a money decision, not a football decision, by bringing Nick Foles back into the starting lineup after Minshew, as a rookie, came in, played pretty well. Um, to me, that's the front office making a call, not so much the coaching staff. And also, is Jacoby Brissett going to play this game? It, it's, it sounds like it's a little bit up in the air, leaning more towards him playing. If Brissett plays, give me the Colts. If not, give me the Jags. I'm going to err on the side of him playing because that's what it sounds like, so give me the Colts. I can't argue with the front office decision. You just spent $88 million on him. He played one quarter or two quarters in the first game of the year. Didn't look too bad. As much as I like Minshew and how he did play, uh, there were some stinkers in there for him. So it's easier to go to Foles because he's coming back. And if he doesn't perform well, you have Minshew come back in. Instead of keeping Minshew and riding him out, and then you just have your $88 million quarterback on the thing. <laughs> uh, so I don't mind Foles coming in. I actually think he's going to have a good game. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna take the Jaguars and the points here, uh, just because I don't know who's starting in, in Indianapolis. I think it should, it's going to be close regardless. Um, so I'm going to air with the points. And uh, Nick Foles coming back and, and, and throwing pretty well. All right. I can respect it. Now it's time for the all-important. 
Lock of the week. Keith's lock of the week. Go ahead, <laughs> tell me the game and tell me what's going on. The uh, For the second week in a row, the lock of the week features the Cincinnati Bengals in some capacity. Uh, this one is the Bengals at the Raiders. Raiders are a 10.5 point favorite. I'm not going to surprise anyone here by picking the Raiders against the Bengals because, honestly, I should just roll with whoever's playing the Bengals for the rest of the season. If you do that, you might end up with a positive record in the lock of the week. I might. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, the lock of the week is 3-6 and six right now, so he, he, you know, he's coming off a win. He's coming off a win. He's counting on the Bengals. Bring it back, baby. <laughs> That's going to do it on this episode of Jet City Hot Takes. Remember, you can hear me and Keith on the radio here in Seattle. I do afternoons 2-7 to seven on New Country 98.9. The Bull Keith follows me 7 to midnight. Keith, where can the people find us on all of your social media platforms uh at jet city hot takes and any podcast platform you like podcast one stitcher spotify apple music itunes all of them all of them it pick one go hawks